The rejoice candle is lit, the pink candle. The vestments have changed. And woven into the scripture is the theme. Now, we can look at this theme of rejoicing as our rejoicing closer to Christmas. But look at it as it was written, as it, the authors intended it. Let's go back a few seconds. Let's go to Isaiah. When Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to proclaim good news, he was probably standing on rubble. He was probably standing on the remnants of the temple. Regrettably, we have visual comparisons every day on our news feeds. Think of the rubble in Israel and the rubble in Gaza. And the rubble locally here in New York with the collapse of the building recently. Imagine going up onto all that rubble that formerly represented the temple and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I rejoice heartily in the Lord. They must have thought he was one nut. He, he never told them things that they wanted to hear. Isaiah was anointed by God to tell us what we need to hear. And I say us, the people of Israel, us today, as well as the ancient Israelites. And he's preparing them, and he's telling them, listen, I, I am so excited, M my heart is filled with joy. Again, think of the, the contradiction as he stands on this rubble and proclaims this. Could you imagine if the mayor of the city stood on all that rubble that we saw last week, the collapse of the corner of that building in, in Manhattan, and he says to the people of Manhattan, rejoice! They would have said, let me pick up a rock and get rid of this guy because he belongs in the bottom of the rubble. That's what, that's what Isaiah was doing. So he's asking us to look into the conditions of the world holding on to faith. So we can certainly say in history, it was the temple. Today, Middle East, Ukraine, and other parts of the world in which the church is suffering and being persecuted. And with all of that, the prophet says to us, I rejoice heartily and my soul is filled with joy. You want to say, what are you talking about? Now, he, the author of Isaiah, this is third Isaiah. Isaiah is a kind of book that's written over many years by three different authors, not the same author. We kept the same name because the philosophy and the composition is very similar. And it's a heartfelt book encouraging people to go forward, pro proclaim their faith, do their faith, so we look at Isaiah and we say, the proclamation was for his time necessary and for the second coming of Christ necessary for us to say to one another, rejoice because the Lord is on his way. And while Mary's pregnant, just think of it that way, historically, Mary is carrying the baby Jesus within her womb 
And she's also listening to these words. And she's saying, in a sense, I rejoice. As a matter of fact, the responsorial psalm today reminds us of when she visited her cousin Elizabeth. She was pregnant. Elizabeth was pregnant. And she says to Elizabeth, Magnificat Anamanea. My soul magnifies the Lord. I am so excited to be here, Liz. And I'm telling you some good news. I'm bringing a baby that this angel said is the son of God. And Elizabeth hears that. And she says, Mary, as soon as you open your mouth, the babe in my womb leapt for joy. And we know that's John the Baptist. Because... The mother of my Lord has visited us. Now, that's historical. That's like first century. But think of that for us, because God has never abandoned us, and Mary has never abandoned us, and Mary is still with us as our assistance, as our helper. As a matter of fact, this, this reading, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is so significant for us as Christians to know that God's Spirit is with us. Yes, it was with Mary. Yes, it was with Isaiah. And yes, it is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. So that as we live our lives preparing for Christmas, we have that underlying sadness in the world. The world's a mess. But we are holding on to hope and joy because throughout the mess, like the rumble of, of the buildings, like the rubble of, of the temple, God never abandons us. People screw us left and right. People screw up left and right. Accidents happen left and right. But God never abandons us. And Mary epitomizes that. She knew. Here she is, a virgin, pregnant, before she's married. He's betrothed, he's engaged to Joseph. They could have taken her out of the city walls and stoned her to death. That was the law. But the Spirit of God was on her and in her. And the child that she's carrying is the Son of God. So God takes care of his own. God takes care of us. At our baptisms, we receive the Spirit of God. At our confirmations, we were confirmed in the Spirit of God. And now as adults, and adults teaching the children in our community, what that means, hope and joy amidst all the anxieties of our world. And our world has a lot of anxieties, a lot of, a lot of reasons to be anxious. But as Paul reminds us in the second reading, rejoice always. Rejoice through all of it. Pray without ceasing. And in all circumstances, give thanks to God. How can I give thanks to you, God, when people in my family are ill, when the rubble is still smoldering in the town, when we have images of the temple? How can we rejoice? How can we keep rejoicing? We keep rejoicing because we have the Holy Spirit within us who never abandons us. Right now, where we are. The Holy Spirit has filled us. Now, regrettably, we don't always feel the Holy Spirit, but that's all right. This is not a, an emotional experience. This is God himself coming into each of us 
and where and meeting us where we pray. So when we pray, whether we're praying for someone else, for our own needs, for peace, doesn't matter the intentions, the Holy Spirit is with us. And Paul reminds us in his letter to the Thessalonians, pray always. This is the will of God. Pray to all the circumstances. And as we pray, the Holy Spirit fills us more. And it, this lesson from, from Thessalonians is so perfect because he reminds us, may the God of peace make you perfectly holy. And may you entirely experience the spirit, soul, and body in the name of Jesus Christ. So through all of that, the irony and contradiction of the world and the Spirit, we hear at the third Sunday, the third major movement towards celebrating the birthday of Jesus Christ in the flesh. And we hear another character, and th this character, if you met him, you'd leave. If he was here right now, you'd probably not sit near him. He smelled. He wore camel hair coats. I, that sounds nice. He has nice fur, camel hair coats. That was never washed, probably. He probably never washed. And that's not an indictment against John the Baptist. Sign of the times. People didn't take baths often. I think uh, Henry VIII, uh, so what, 16th century, took one bath a year. You know, the French, they created that beautiful stuff we call perfume. Well, you know the words in French. They created something parfum for the smell. So when you ladies, oh gentlemen, put on expensive perfume, you're covering up the smell of your body. Now, that's not the purpose of it now. You get a little bottle and it costs $1,000 for the smell. Parfum. And John the Baptist is a good example of that. He comes on the scene with all the smells of history, the, all the smells of his environment. And he's washing people. Makes sense. He's, what? he's baptizing them. He's washing them. It makes sense. So they want to know, who exactly are you? The Pharisees and some of the questions, the question is, go up there, who are you? Are you the prophet, Elijah, coming back? Are you the Messiah? Who are you? Not the Messiah, not the prophet, nothing special. But I'm pointing to someone very special. He is so special, I am not worthy to undo his shoes. He's pointing, you and I know, to his cousin Jesus. Now Jesus at that point is already an adult. He's already been educated. He's coming out in public. And John the Baptist says, I'm baptizing with water. Like you can go to the river right there and be baptized in water. But that's not the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus is once into his body baptized into his family, the church. We were at Jordan River a few years, years ago when you could travel in the Middle East. 
And everyone in our community said, after we got to the Jordan, oh, Father, are you going to baptize us? No. I'm going to pour water on your heads, and you could renew your baptismal promises. I can use the water to bless ourselves. But we've been baptized, and there's only one baptism. And that's the baptism that John was talking about. Not what he was doing, but what he was talking about. Because the baptism of Jesus brings us into his family, brings us into his, his body. So as we celebrate getting closer and closer to Christmas, we have to remember, one, we're celebrating the coming of Jesus in history. Two, we're celebrating the renewal of his birthday, Christmas. But we're also celebrating our participation in the body of Christ. So, so what do we do? What do we do? How, how do we properly prepare? Oh, we, we buy gifts. We decorate. Uh, we sing songs. Some get drunk. That's how we celebrate. Uh-uh. Isaiah knows how. Let me go back to Isaiah. Tell us. Why did God anoint you? God anointed all of us to bring glad tidings to the poor. Now think, think of the poor that you know or are on, on the streets or that we hear about in the media. God anointed us, baptized us, to tell those people, be joyful. Good news. God anointed us, according to Isaiah, to heal the brokenhearted. To, to, to roll up our sleeves in face of pain and hurt. To do something for those people who are suffering, whether in the Middle East, our own families, our own towns. It's up to us to heal the brokenhearted. How do we do? We're not doctors necessarily, all of us. But we can do it through love. We can do it through patience. We can do it through understanding. We can do it through sharing. And the list goes on. And you know how you can heal the brokenhearted in your community. The family, the world, the neighbors. And if you don't know, just imagine how your heart broken heart could be healed. What would heal my broken heart? Maybe a hello from someone. Maybe a notice from someone. Maybe a kiss. See how Isaiah becomes the messenger of God? Not for the Pharisees, not for the Jews, but for us. How do we, how do we prepare? How, how do we use this uh, uh, holy joy? And Isaiah says, liberty for the captives. And in a special way, we remember the Israeli captives, three of whom were killed just recently as they came out of hiding, waving a white flag, and were mistaken as enemies, and they were shot immediately. Innocent Israeli men. How do we, as Christians, declare freedom to them they're dead. Well, we don't believe in death. We believe in the resurrection. So we declare 
our hope and encouragement to how we live and how we encourage one another and how we tell our kids to behave and live. And this is not just preaching to children. This is preaching to us, adults. We'll never be able to pass it on to our children if we haven't absorbed the joy and the challenge of Isaiah. And then Isaiah, he, he, he pushes it over the top. He says, you know, you're all a mess. You have nothing. You have no, no scratch of clothing on your body. Everything's uh, uh, gone in rubble. And he says, God's joy has clothed us in a robe of salvation. God's joy has given every one of us a mantle of justice. God's joy is like crowning the groom and bridegroom at the celebration of their wedding. Again, that irony of it. We know what the world is like. We know what the world needs. But we have the answer for the world. And it's not more weapons. It's not more hate. It's not more prejudice. It's not more anything negative. The message we have is one of joy. Where we go, the earth springs up, should spring up in joy. Where we go, we should be people who bring the justice and peace of God. And that's to everyone we meet. The person in the store, the person on the bus, the person on the street. You and I are blessed and challenged with God's joy and to do something about God's joy. To share it with one another. So that as we as human beings in the 21st century celebrate December 24th and 25th, we do it with a renewed sense of joy in God. Oh, I know you want to give gifts. You want to give this toy. You want to give this dress. You want to give this piece of jewelry. means nothing if we haven't given God's joy to one another.